the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join the fight to end human trafficking. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern-day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. Now, here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks, Dave, and welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today uh, with my partner in justice, uh, Miss Vanita Hopkins. Hello, everybody. Yes. And Glad uh, to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll tell you about that later. <laughs> but um, we have a special guest in the mm-hmm. studio that um, we've actually recently met at the Contra Costa CSEC Task Force meetings, and we're so grateful to have with us Jameer Reynolds in the studio with us. Welcome, Jameer. Thank Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for having me. Yeah. And so um, in reading your bio, I learned first off that we're, you know, from the East Coast. So this whole room, right? (laughs) Um, I still can claim that even though I only had two years in. But yeah, I I still can. Um, So you're originally from Trenton, New Jersey, and um, you were raised there by your grandmother. Yes. Um, And so we're going to talk a little bit about that during the during the show about how it is, you know, how it feels to be a young man that's being raised by a grandmother because there's a whole generation of young men uh, that have been raised by their their strong and loving grandmothers. And and, 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 and here you are, I must say, very dapper today. <laughs> very dapper, um, but always dapper, yes. may, may I oh, say. Okay, so this Thank isn't you. the exception. It's no. got a flower on his lapel. <laughs> now, that uh, might be now, the exception. I mean, I mean, normally on. it's a brooch. Normally yeah. it's a brooch. You know, I'm going to try to okay. change it up. It, it, it's looking good. It's, it's, it's looking all good. right. Yes. And, and, and so just, you know, bringing some of that in... Um, and, and talking more about being, as your bio said, a latchkey kid, um, not having um, perhaps all the things that one might think that they need. And yet knowing that education was your way, was your mm-hmm. ticket to, uh, a, a, you know, a future, a, a, your ticket to a, a, maybe a, a higher standard of living that you Definitely. that you wanted for you and Definitely. your family. And then and then, you know, where you are today, which is um, you have implemented a curriculum and a program called I Promise Mentoring Program, yes. which is currently in production in yeah. Abu Dhabi. And it is a program that is being given to expat African-American young men yes. in Abu Dhabi. Yes. And so, okay, where do we start? So <laughs> first off, let's talk about your beginning. Right. Um, and you know what? 
I have I've got some new perspective as of late on um, categorizing things mm. as, uh, you know, like I was getting ready to say your humble beginning. But to right. me, you had a grandma. Um, and I mean, that wasn't necessarily a humble beginning. That um, was. Yes, it, I mean, it, yes was? it was. I grew up in the uh, Miller Homes projects. OK. Um, at any given time, it was 15 of us in a three bedroom house. Wow. Um, I remember, you know, washing clothes in a bucket, heating our house up with the oven, um, you know, sleeping with four people in the bed. You know, my grandmother went to work. She she worked. Uh, she went to work at three and got home every day at exactly one o'clock. If she was uh, one o'clock in the morning, if she was late one oh one, we're panicking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so just pretty much, you know, growing up in uh, government housing, um, I really didn't knew that I didn't have a lot until I really start watching TV. Mm. Um, and then that's when my, I guess, my perspective on life opened up. Mm-hmm. I ran track uh, from mm-hmm. the age of seven all the way to 18. I've been nationally ranked, um, you know, been on ESPN, NBC. Mm-hmm. Um, so What's ev- your race? Oh, uh, everything from the two mile to the hundred. Okay, a sprinter. But but I made All-American in the 800. Oh, okay. So um, a middleman. Right. So, okay. you know, but when I would go to these track meets, of course, you go into a different place. Mm-hmm. And I remember one particular time I went to a track meet in uh, at Occidental College in Pasadena, mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. And I was out there and it was beautiful. From New Jersey. From New Jersey. From okay. Trenton, New Jersey. <laughs> Um, and I remember when I came home, I sat on the porch. I had one and everything, and I sat on the porch and wish I was back there mm-hmm. because I came back home to, you know, to the drugs and to the crime mm-hmm. um, and, of course, the gangs. And so my grandmother was the solid foundation. I believe I got my work ethic from her, mm-hmm. my slick tongue from her, mm-hmm. uh, my tenacity <laughs> Mm. Um, from her um, because my grandmother left Hallsboro, North Carolina mm. by herself mm. and went to Trenton, New Jersey. Wow. And I left Trenton, New Jersey by myself and went to Raleigh, North Carolina mm. for school. So I just feel like a lot of the Betty, which is, mm. we, we call her Big B, um, is coursing <laughs> okay. through my veins. My mother was a teenage mother, okay. but my mother was highly, highly intellectual. Mm. And so as a you know, at a young age, you know, my mother was focused on school, and my grandmother said, you know, give me him, and you go focus on your school. Mm. And so, you know, uh, my mom got caught up in working. Mm. My mom is a workaholic. Mm. Like I know that my mom didn't have any, you know, addictions or anything like that. But work other was other than her work, th- right? Other other than work. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, my grandmother, you know, had a had the firm hand on me, and she really helped me push through. So. My my beginnings were humble. Okay, I, you know I know what it's like to to eat out of a trash can. I know what it's like to, oh, oh you know, she would bring home washcloths because she worked at a senior citizen's home, mm-hmm. and she would bring home the the cloth washcloths mm-hmm. that were disposable, so we would wash up with them. Mm-hmm. So my my beginnings were were pretty humble. Okay. Wow, yeah, well, and and where I where I was going with that is that I'm starting to realize that um, there's this. Uh, interesting place that you can get to where you believe that having certain things means that you have certain things. Correct. And it sounds like your grandmother, Big B, was pretty, <laughs> pretty awesome and, and, and phenomenal woman. And, um, 
and I'm just beginning to uh, lately, I've just been realizing how valuable someone like Big B being in our life is much, much more valuable than a big house and a big yard and a fancy car and, you know, all of that. And so if we all just had a big B in our life, how much better would we be, you know, and um, Big B makes it better. She's, right? Oh, she's still around. Um, I, I talk to her every day. Oh. My, my, my grandmother just turned, just turned 81. What? Um, and when I call her, I call her in front of my friends. I say, what's up, shorty? They're like, who are you talking to? I'm like, man, I'm talking to my grandmother. So, yeah. yeah. Have you seen that commercial where the lady comes down and Catches her husband on the phone uh, in the middle of the night talking <laughs> to the cable provider. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Uh, talking to That's Jarvis. It. That's it. Yeah, you sound hideous, right? <laughs> she said, "What are you wearing? Khakis?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're on the phone. What's up, Shorty? Yeah. Who are you talking? To? I'm talking to my grandma. Yeah, right. You talking to grandma? Yeah. Okay. But that's all right. Um, uh, you know, and so you you're you're connected to her. You she. He's raised you up and then you moved on to Raleigh, North Carolina, where you got your education. Yes. Did you continue with track at that time? Um, I'm going to be so honest. I took my gift in vain. Okay. Um, I was the kid that I didn't have to practice. Okay. I would literally just show up and run. Mm. I remember one time the newspaper, they labeled me the, the phantom mm. because, you know, I was, I would just show up to where I wanted to be. Um, when coming out of high school, I was like the number one half miler in the country. Wow. But I was like, you know what? I done did everything. I done won everything. So what? And yeah. I, I went to uh, to the U.S. Army. I went to Fort Jackson, mm. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And a person there asked me, he said, are you Jameer Reynolds from Trenton Central? Wow. And he was from California. And he said, my father always talks about you. Wow. wow. So wow. That, See that? So that made me, you know, wake up. I was like, I can't be here. And I talked to my drill sergeant. And he was like, Reynolds, I don't want you to go. I said, but drill sergeant Riley, I don't want to be here. Mm. And he was like, well, I'm going to give you three chances and you tell me no. And he was like, I told him no. He told me to do push-ups. And I left the day after I got back to Trenton. I got back on a, uh, a train by myself with a suitcase and went to uh, Shaw University. Wow. All right, Shaw. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. Okay, so this is this is very interesting. I feel like we're on a little trip right now. Mm-hmm. You, you too? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, go ahead and, and we're going to take a little pause. We're going to come back on the next step of the choo-choo of the journey. We're going to come right back in just a second. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with the Phantom, uh, Jameer Reynolds. (laughs) I hear him calling. Yeah. And he just ran out in the hallway and he's on his way back. He's coming. He's coming. Oh, there he is. BB. (laughs) Sorry. I've got all kinds of silliness going on today. All right. So one of the things we were talking about during the break is um, that it was really hard on you. And and I see that you put it to use, but it was really hard on you when your aunt passed away of AIDS. Mm -hmm. Um, This was at the time that you had moved to Raleigh, North Carolina during that time. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And so I haven't actually experienced um, one of my family members pass of AIDS, but I have I have several family members that are currently infected with AIDS and Mm -hmm. and impacted by it. And um, it's you know, it's I mean, what do you do? Like, how did you cope with that? Um, It was really difficult because when my grandmother would go to work and my mom would be at work, my aunt Ronnie was the mom Mm. and she was also the oldest child. Mm. And so for me, I was just seeing her deteriorate every time I come home, you know, and I would see her getting smaller and smaller. And we all remember my aunt as being a bartender, worked in a bar. She was lively, you know, Mm. just happy. And then one day I came home, she was in a wheelchair. Wow. And it hurt me because, you know, I'm away and I can't really, you know, help her out and take care of her. So finally I came home for like six months. Um, and helped out or whatever. But I remember um, going to North Carolina. I came home for like a holiday or something. I was ironing a yellow shirt, and my aunt, my aunt Venus called me and said, Jameer, you need to get to the hospice. Ronnie isn't going to be here mm. long. So when I came in, the, I'm driving. It seemed like it was the longest drive ever. And when I pull up, I don't even park the car. I jump right out. It seemed like the elevator was waiting on me. Mm-hmm. And I got upstairs. I seen my, my aunts and my Aunt Ronnie's daughter outside crying in her, you know, crying. And when I walked into the room, her, she looked like a skeleton, like with like a one layer of skin. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother bowed her head. <clears throat> you know, she was praying over her, And my grandmother lifted her eyes up and said, get her dress ready. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I, I whispered in there. I said, Aunt Ronnie, you know, I'll be back. Um, you know, just hang on. And her breathing was real, really like just real short, shallow, shallow breaths. <clears throat> and then I was, I was back at my father's house and that's when I got the call that, uh, that she passed away mm. and it's still hard for, mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that when, when she passed away, it, it put like a, a big hole in our family. Yeah. The funny thing is, um, like I was telling Benita, five, four years later, my twins were born on the last day I seen my aunt alive. Wow. And I was like, this is her gift. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to me, to, to provide me with some comfort. Mm-hmm. You know, I still feel her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do believe she saves me from myself a lot of times, mm-hmm. amongst other things. But, you know, it, it was pretty hard for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and what a gift to have two. Mm. And are your yeah. twins girls or boys? Oh, no, nah, a boy and a girl, man. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Each? That's cool. Wow, yeah. that's cool. I think my son is going to be a pastor, though. Well, that's that's, a, that's okay. Nah, nah, because, he like, oh, man. No, nah, no, nah, not that. It's I like, got to deal with a pastor, too. Uh, it's kind of a trick. Nah, it's no. like, but it's like when we out, he, 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 he calls me father. <laughs> But I didn't tell him to do that. I was like, dude, just call me Pop. He was like, no, your father. But you now got your, I want you to wear a necklace right, right now so bad. Like, <laughs> he can get you a little white collar. Uh, right. But but now, you know, um, you know, he, he calls me dad or whatever. But, yeah, like I said, I do believe that they were the gifts uh, mm-hmm. from, from my aunt. Mm-hmm. And so, what's yeah. your aunt's name again? Uh, her name is Velma Martin. Velma. But, but, okay. but we called her Ronnie. Okay, Ronnie was the yeah. one you were referring to. Okay. Yeah. And so Ronnie, was Ronnie w- who inspired you to form the African-American um, uh, 
what was it? Advocates What's it for AIDS. Advocates for well, AIDS actually, in Northern California. Actually, I wrote a, a screenplay. Okay. And I mm, another it, connection. <laughs> then 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 it didn't get picked up, but but then I start I used the money out of my own pocket to mm. put on her life story. Got you. And so um, I was performing the play um, in Wake Forest, North Carolina, mm. and it got picked up by the uh, the National Catholic Action Network in Cannes. Mm. And I began performing all around North Carolina, and then they flew me and my uh, cast to Chicago, and mm. we performed at Loyola University. Mm. Wow. Um, and so, but the story was really based on her life. You mm. know, I, I talked to everyone. I got everyone's permission um, to do it, but um, so while I was performing a play, um, the founder Kareen came to the play and was like, "Man, like this is really good." Like, <laughs> and she told me where she, uh, who she represented, and she said, "Would you like to be a board member mm. of our organization?" It was like you know because you have the passion. So wow, um, that's, but that's... yeah, so that's that's how the African Advocate is. Of AIDS uh, connection came That's about. That's how the connection happened. And what's the name of the play? Uh, it was called Hidden Consequences. Mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, what a way to pay pay homage, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. to your to your aunt mm-hmm. and to your family. Um, I too, you know, um, it's interesting because when I think about what I've been called to do with Love Never Fails, and I think about my family background. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm paying honor to my, you know, my late grandmother who mm-hmm. was a survivor of, of exploitation mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and those I'm sure, you know, there's many stories because I didn't, because of the lifestyle that she had lived, I didn't get the opportunity to spend a lot of time with her. So right. I didn't know what her mother's life was like. And, mm-hmm. and, and, but I'm sure that that was prominent in my bloodline. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so now for this to come full circle where I'm now saying, you know, uh, taking a stance and my, even my little daughter, you know, my nine-year-old, like you have your two twins. Mm -hmm. My nine-year-old daughter is saying, mommy, when I grow up, I'm going to make sure that people treat each other well in this world. And boy, she saw males on that, on that playground. (laughs) Somebody starts bullying. Oh no. Uh Uh-uh. She's like, uh, I don't care if they're in the fifth grade. She's in third grade. I, know. I don't care if they're in the fifth grade. They ain't, no, they're not doing that. I'm like, oh, Lord, what have I done? Right, right. Are your kids kind of doing the same um, thing well, a little bit? Actually, I, I have five uh, children. Lord, yeah. let's pray now. Hey, let's hey, pray. Listen, let's pray. Listen. And your wife That's is okay. Shakira, correct? Yes, it is. Yes. That is, that is Queen B. Um <laughs> Uh, I have a 16-year-old, um, two 11-year-olds, uh, a 5-year-old, and a 2-year-old. Wow. Um, so, she is Queen Bee. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. But I, I think for for my kids, I, my son is like that. My my 11-year-old son. A preacher. Um, yeah. He, they, they were living in, um, um, in, in Florida, and he got into a fight on the playground. Mm. And I said, man, why are you out there fighting? Mm-hmm. He said, because, Dad, they were cursing on the playground, and I don't like people to curse. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but when you're 11 and you're about 5'6", oh, oh, wow. he's oh. projected to be about 6'5". Wow. So it's like, nah, you can't be 11. No, he is 11. Wow. I said, wow. We out there 
thugging. Right. <laughs> Gang banging with Jesus. That's right. <laughs> he like, check this out. Yeah, this real. yard is cuss free. For real. <laughs> you getting put on your back, yo. No, no profanity zone. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that is awesome. So um, thank you for kind of pulling us into all of these little steps. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing with I Promise. What led you, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, out of our country into another place to go and share this, you know, this this mentoring curriculum with um, African-American expat and and then how how do you see that unfolding here and is do you think that in this day and age where um, there are so many um, people speaking out about um, the the need for um, uh, policing uh, community policing the need for um, uh, you know organizations to be more aware of how African-Americans uh, is in particular males mm-hmm. uh, need to be nurtured, spoken to, mm-hmm. cared for. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it seems like a very good time mm-hmm. for us to be focusing in this way. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about that and also the cross section with human trafficking. Yeah. So um, we'll be back and thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Jameer Reynolds, having a great time just talking about uh, his journey, really, um, coming from, uh, you said it was 13, 14 people in the household when you were coming up. About and 15. 15, whoa. Yeah. And moving, you know, from that, uh, you know, accomplished athlete, um, Seeming to me, sounding like very connected to your your grandmother and your family, and very tightly knit. Moving into North Carolina, going to college, uh, starting a play, uh, just really becoming active in, in 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 a variety of different ways, depending on your life experiences. As things started to happen, you did something in response to it, and and and, and what I want to touch on is the journey that you that brought you to. Um, your I Promise mentoring program, which is, again, providing support and mentorship to Mm -hmm. expat young men. And this was something that you implemented as part of your relocation to Abu Dhabi. Mm -hmm. How did you get to Abu Dhabi? (laughs) That's what I want to get to. um, My my wife was talking to her friend about, um, her friend was already living in Abu Dhabi. And she was like, Shakira, I think you should come over here. You know, it's great. Now we're newly married. And so we're like, uh, okay, let's apply for it. So my wife, she filled out the application. They said, we need you to come to New York from North Carolina for the interview. So going up there, I said, look, I'm telling you they're going to hire you. Mm-hmm. And she said, Jameer, they don't do that. It's a, I said, listen, man, I'm telling you they're going to hire you. Mm-hmm. She came out. She said, uh, Jameer, they hired me. I said, I yeah. told you. Shocker. Right? Um, and so we were going, we were scheduled to leave in August. But we found out we were pregnant mm. uh, with KJ, and we pushed it back. She left uh, in February of 2012, and I drove all the way from Raleigh, North Carolina, to El Sobrani, California. Oh, gosh. Picked up KJ, and because my, my younger ones were up north. Picked up KJ and flew 17 hours by myself with like wow. a six-month-old. Wow. Um, she got over there. She was teaching uh, kindergarten. Um, she taught fifth grade and sixth grade. And so while I was over there, I eventually um, was uh, working on my master's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, 
dealt with about a depression over there because of the language and the cultural mm-hmm. uh god man the cultural clash i should say and then i started playing football mm-hmm. um i played in the emirates american football league over mm-hmm. there and the first year was implemented uh we won the championship mm-hmm. but what i kept noticing is these young men who were playing on the smaller teams there were no men there cheering for them mm-hmm. and it's a lot of african-american moms over there who are single moms mm-hmm. And so they're raising these young men all the way from the ages of from the the youngest I seen was like two all the way up to 15, 16. So I sat down with two of my friends over there. I said, look, man, we have to do something about this. And one of my friends didn't come back to the UAE and another one just really dropped off. Mm -hmm. And so over the summer, I developed a curriculum. And so when I came back, um, I called a meeting with the parents uh, the younger kids in the football league. I introduced myself and said, this is what I want to do. Uh, two parents, man, stepped out on faith with me. Uh, BJ <laughs> and uh, Dr. Patterson. They said, well, you know, I'm going to let you mentor our sons. It was just me. Mm. And I would go pick them up, um, give them financial advice, self-esteem advice. Then it grew. And then eventually I began having um, Saturday classes where you had mandatory uh, dress code, mm-hmm. shirt, slacks, tie, um, shoes. That's a shocker. We see. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, I started uh, talking to my friends, and then they became the mentors, and I stepped back. Yeah. But the way that I chose the mentor was based on the personality of the mm-hmm. kid mm-hmm. and and just seeing how it worked. And from there... Uh, we taught uh, emotional intelligence classes. We had uh, uh, sex education taught by actual health teacher. We had financial classes. Uh, we had an executive chef who was mm-hmm. one of my uh, mentors as well. Um, he brought them in to do cooking classes. And so, you know, from there, it just grew and grew. And then we, um, for a, a gift to the parents, we had the the six mentees uh, we had them tailor-made suits made mm. from scratch all of them the mentors I and love that me part. the executive director uh chipped in and then we had our first annual i promise dinner at a marco pierre white which is like a four or five star restaurant but it was sponsored by the masons in dubai because of mm. the work i was doing mm. and i didn't ask anyone for anything and that's how you know the blessings be, you know started flowing i just put my head down and start working and so it's still going. Um, like I said, I just sent over a piece of curriculum uh, to the new executive director. I want to say thank you to my frat brother, mm-hmm. Mr. Julian Ivey, who is the new executive director of the program. Hey, Julian. <laughs> and so, yeah. Okay. So just I'm just trying to clarify here. BJ and Dr. Patterson were... The parents of the, of the, the children. The, the first two. The, the parents yeah. of some of the, the, the beginning uh, children got uh, you. And so they uh, kind of come alongside you yes. to launch this program. Yes. And they... Um, and, and, and so you guys taught emotional intelligence, financial literacy, food, culinary, sex, sex ed were the kind of the different workshops that and you were... Creative writing. Writing. Um, okay. Uh, I taught 12-year-olds how to understand a credit score. Good. Um, you know, just really dealing with the foundation. It was really focused on matriculating back into the U.S. society because okay. they have been out for so long. Mm-hmm. So it's getting them ready. Got gotcha. you. Okay. And so, um, and all of these families were African-American? Yes. Okay. 
and their fathers or mothers were either teaching in that area or they were, uh, you said they were single moms. Were they all teachers? All of them were teachers. Gotcha. Okay, now Mm -hmm. it's making sense to me because I was trying to figure out if they were in the military or what they were doing. So, yeah, so gotcha. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so, wow, you saw a need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You saw a need. And And so tell me, what's the promise? Um, well, we, we promise to hold them accountable. We promise to seek the truth. Um, you know, we, we promise to put our best foot forward through anything. And I think that I, the reason why I call it, I promise is because I made a, a conscious decision to give back. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep my promise to you. Nice. Um, and, that's really good. And, and that's why I called it, I promise. Got you. So it's really coming from the mentor. Definitely. To the mentee. Yes. Mm. I love that. that I love how, how you said, too, that you match mentee to mentor yes. based on, it sounds very much like our Mentors for Positive Change. Yes. We try to match the mentee with, you know, a good match for right. the mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes that whole that whole mentor-mentee uh, relationship a whole lot a easier. A whole lot easier. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, was an aha for us with Mentors for Positive Change is we try to do... Um, uh, mentoring of girls and mentoring of boys. Mm-hmm. And we found it needs to be, the model needs to be very different. And so Definitely. it sounds like <laughs> you uh, already, you know, you knew that because you're right. a guy. Right. Um, but I had to take like three years to figure that out. Right. And my husband tells me that kind of stuff. All the time. <laughs> you know, he's like, I love the way you're telling me how to be a guy right now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's a little different. It's a little different. But I, I was like, why don't guys just sit down and talk to each other like girls do? He's like, no, we don't really like that. We, yeah. we get together. We do an activity together we talk together I mean, we do that's group dynamics like, yeah like like communicating effectively mm-hmm. that's a skill oh, that, yes, that, that most young men especially african-american males are not taught right mm-hmm. and so you know i and i really was conscious of making the decision to help them develop that skill yeah, exactly. that's Absolutely. wonderful. So um, when we come back, I'd love to hear, uh, dig a little bit more into maybe a, a story or two of, you know, something that really, like for me, there are some, I mean, I love working with all of our survivors, um, but there are a couple of people that have um, kept me going, mm-hmm. let's just say, when I think about what happened in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we come back, I'd love to hear a few mm-hmm. stories and um, and then talk about maybe some future things that might be coming down the pipe. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right. <laughs> we'll be right back. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We are in the studio today with Jameer Reynolds, who uh, is the founder of the I Promise Mentoring Program, amongst other things, playwright, uh, athlete, father of so five, much today. He's coast I'm brother. Busy in my thirty-six years. That's it. So, um, one of the, so so j- just diving a little bit into I Promise and and connecting it back to. Uh, here, what's going on here? Have any of your uh, mentees come back to the states, and do you keep in contact at all with them? Um, I actually do. You know, I talk to the parents. Um, I make sure that the line of communication is always open. Mm-hmm. Um, one particular case, um, I had a young man call me um, over the summer, and his mother flew from Abu Dhabi to Atlanta and drove from Atlanta all the way to New Mexico. And he called me and he said, uh, 
my dad wants me to come wants my mom to bring me to come see him his father lives 45 minutes away and would not drive 45 minutes to see his son now mm-hmm. his mother literally traveled 10,000 miles wow. mm-hmm. and i talked to him and i said listen i want you to to ask him and tell him that you prefer that he makes the effort to come see you because your mother's traveled so far i said now nah, but i want you to be prepared because he might tell you no I said, if he tells you no, I want you to be mad, yell, be respectful, but then I want you to go back to being the wonderful person that you are. And he called me two days later. He said, Jameer, my dad told me no. Mm-hmm. And I said, now, aren't you glad you prepared for it that we had this talk? He said, yes, sir. He said, I feel a lot better now. Awesome. And that's the kind of relationship that I strive for. Wow. With mm-hmm. any interaction I have with the youth. Um, wow, so, I just love that because it's not sugar-coated. No. Mm. It's real. Yeah. And I love that you gave him the space right. to go ahead and yell and mm-hmm. say how you feel respectfully. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's good. That is so good. And I think that just kind of bridging that into the culture of this day mm-hmm. um, where we find, you know, um, uh, we find young men, African-American men, yelling out, screaming out. Right. Last week, uh, I had a guest on the show, uh, Michelle Ryan, who's the co-founder of Stellium. And we were talking about hip hop music and talking about, you know, a lot of it is misogynistic. A lot of it is, is, is anti-female, is, is angry, is, is, you know, I'm going to shoot you up. I'm going to beat you and, you know, just be and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what we, what we kind of process together is like, yeah, you can get into a place where you're judging that and saying, oh, the, the, the youth of this day, they're just pathetic. They're mm-hmm. low. They're this. They're that. They have no respect. But if we stop for a moment and say, check this out, we got a young man whose mama flew 10,000 miles to get one day, one touch from a dad mm-hmm. who said no. Mm-hmm. And think about what that does to a person. Mm. I mean, I know for myself, having grown up without my father, the anger that grew for me, not having access to my father when I needed, when, when a man was abusing me and I wanted to have a man that I could go to and say, make it stop. Mm-hmm. But there was no one that creates an anger. It creates a rage. I mean, I had, I had, my parents were teenagers, and so my my dad came from, um, and I remember him telling me this, that, you know, when he was growing up, his father wasn't there, and so he would shine shoes and things like that. And so when I did have interactions with my dad, my dad really didn't know how to be a father. Then he's young, so he's winging it. Right. And so I remember, and I love you, Pop, but you know this is the truth. Um, I had a track meet. And I wanted him to pay for the prom. But he said, if you want to pay for the prom, you need to get a job. So I forfeited a state meet mm-hmm. to work in the hospital kitchen, washing dishes to pay for my prom. Mm-hmm. I forfeited all types of scholarships and views and uh, offers and everything. But I was angry at the time. But now that I'm older, my father didn't really know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So he backed away a lot. And so when he has a son who's asking him questions, he doesn't have the capacity to mm-hmm. understand. He thinks that I'm trying to challenge his his manhood mm-hmm. or him being a father. Mm-hmm. And and that kept us apart a lot. And an, another real story, just real quick. I remember the day I was graduating my master's degree. Me and my father got into an argument. And I started crying. And I said, you know what? You never did nothing for me. I said, I did all this by myself. Mm-hmm. 
And that was the first time I seen my father cry mm. and my father said, you're right. Mm. Mm. Wow. And for, for us to make that step, mm-hmm. for him to say that, you know, to have a son that, you know, he was around, but then he wasn't. But your son went on to, my dad has an eighth grade education to where mm-hmm. you're watching your, your son graduate mm-hmm. with a master's degree. Right. And I was like, man, you don't even got to come. He said, man, I don't care. I'm coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from from there, our relationship just took off. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we had that space. But again, he didn't know what he was doing. And see that space that you got into where you said you, you yelled mm-hmm. and you got angry. I did. Mm-hmm. But you felt better afterwards. I didn't curse because my dad could fight. So. Oh yeah, yeah. just because he had. I know that's right. You so, was you yeah. was smart. You was yeah, you yeah. got your masters. He, he got that butt whooping. You got a mean jab. <laughs> so, but but you know when we think about when we think about the place where our young people are, and I want to kind of pull in this topic of human trafficking because mm-hmm. in particular, so some statistics, right? We know that um, the preponderance of those that are being um, arrested for exploiting uh, predominantly African-American women mm-hmm. and young ladies and children are African-American males mm-hmm. uh, between the ages of 18 and 24. Now that's arrest. We know that there's some dynamics going on in mm-hmm. our culture about, you know, really arresting an African-American male more than your average anybody. Right. right. So there's there's that dynamic in play. But even so, we know that there's this be- these behaviors that are widely accepted and promoted in the African-American community. And I think some of it is historical slavery. Some of it is, you know, um, yeah, the abuse just permeating through our co- our culture and right. our, you know, because of that slavery. Um, but, you know, there's there's this. I think a rage that's sitting in many of our young men and they don't know how to um, be angry, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, and yell and 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 then feel better afterwards that process. And they don't have a mentor such as yourself Mm -hmm. that's guiding them and supporting them through the. Would you do you agree? Oh, no, definitely. I agree. I just feel like they don't know how to yell and release without associating it with violence. Violence. Mm. Right. And oftentimes they think a release comes through a punch. Mm. But more than likely, I just had a young man who was upset who sat in my office and I closed the door. I said, it's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. And he cried. And I said, now, don't you feel better? Mm-hmm. He said, yes, sir. And that in particular for our males in general, mm-hmm. but particularly African-American males, you know, we're always told, oh, you better not cry. You're right. a guy. Don't right. cry. And that is the biggest lie. I mean, my dad said something. He was like, we Vikings. We don't cry. Man, I guess I do. <laughs> you know what? The other day, my husband cried, and I was so in love. Like, yeah. I'm serious. Yes. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm yes. so yes. Can I marry you again? Yes. <laughs> One more time. But, but like, I think there's still that mm-hmm. old school way mm-hmm. of thinking, like, you won't be appealing to right. your, right. you know, right. A, a, right. your significant right. other. You won't, you know, your people will think you're a punk. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll. But, and, and you know, a my weak. husband tells me yeah. all the time, you know, it's like. Yeah, I show that weakness, and there's many people that are waiting around to exploit that. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. To pounce on it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So you provided a safe place in your office. I mean, and that's that's what I do with a lot of young men I come into contact with. You know, like, you know, being a man doesn't mean having all power and being, you know, being a man means showing humility and being vulnerable. Um, and And I just think that needs to be reinforced. And I also think that the fathers of today need mentors as well 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of them are winging it. Yeah. And, you know, that that's, that's something good. I would like to do as well. Like mentor other fathers. That is so that is good. good. Yeah. Uh, one, of my, one of my good friends, uh, Pastor Hector, also known as Fuego, he's a rapper. Okay. That is his platform is wow. like teaching fathers to be fathers. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe we'll, uh, yeah, it we would be a good little connection, <laughs> huh? Yep. Yep. Um, okay, so I got some things going on in my mind, but we're going to save that for part two of the show. <laughs> but uh, we, we actually are going to go to break. We're going to come back and talk about some events that are going on in the community. Um, I um, I do want to just um, encourage you, if you want to support Jameer with what he's doing with I Promise or mm-hmm. even... You know, talk to him about an I Promise yeah. chapter here. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. don't steal my thunder, right? <laughs> um, do a post on our on our Facebook page. Yes. Go to Abolition Radio Facebook page and uh, just just say I like I what promise. you had to say. And yeah, just there you go. I promise. I promise. There we yeah. go. And we'll hook you up. There All right. We go. All right. We'll be right back. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Uh, well, uh, we've had a wonderful time today. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for being on the show, Jameer. Thank you. Thank you. Are there, is there a way that our listening audience can make direct contact with you? Um, you can reach me. Well, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, which is I Promise. Um, if you want to be more specific, I Promise Abu Dhabi. Um, my email address is Jameer Reynolds. That's J-A-H-M-E-E-R. Reynolds, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S, all one word, at ymail.com. Awesome. So ah, give them a shout out and and, and go on our page and say, I promise, yeah. and we'll, we'll connect yeah. you up. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what else do we got going on, Benita? Well, wow, so much is happening. If you are interested in anything Love Never, Never Fails and would like to volunteer with us, uh, come on out this Thursday night at 7 o'clock at our Haywood office at 22580 Grand Street and um, meet some folks and learn about how you can help um, with volunteer opportunities with us at Love Never Fails. Also, if I could just mention really quickly, yes. uh, we are actually hiring for uh, we're hiring a full time case manager uh, in the Bay Area, a, a part time house manager in the Bay Area and a full time case manager and house manager in Sacramento, Sacramento. County. Okay. So if you guys are interested in that, uh, please do get at me at Vanessa, V-A-N-E-S-S-A, at loveneverfailsus.com. Uh, shoot me an email with your resume. That'd be great. And also we are looking for a variety of volunteers um, mm-hmm. in terms of our job training uh, leader, life yes. launch leader. We're looking for um, more administrative help in our office, desperately need more administrative help. And and we also need a, a leader for our education, protect program, a specific Specifically, the Love Never Fails delivery of the Protect program. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and give me an email. Shoot. That's great. Great, great, great. On this Monday ends our Change for Change project, our YCAT, Youth Commission Against Trafficking uh, Change for Change program. So if you have change that you want to input into that Shoot me an email at Benita at loveneverfailsus.com or on our Abolition Radio Facebook page. Say, you know, I have some change. I will personally come and get it from you if you are interested in participating in that. We would love that. Also, next Saturday will be our street outreach, first street outreach for 2017. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. 
<laughs> and we will be in San Francisco for this month. So um, come out on out to uh, Faith Fellowship Church at 577 Manor Boulevard in San Leandro. And we'll be meeting there at 7 for training and getting things ready. And um, so coming out, we look forward to seeing you there. And just so that you know, um, San Mateo County is having a provider conference on March 7th, and it will be at the South San Francisco Conference Center. Um, it starts at 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, and yours truly will be the keynote speaker. So please come out Woo-woo. and support. Um, we'd love to see you. And on the 31st, Silicon Valley Prayer Breakfast will be having their annual um, event. And our very own founder, Vanessa Russell, will (laughs) will be one of the speakers there as well. So always, as usual, lots going on, lots happening. And we would love your support in everything Love Never Fails. Go to our uh, website at loveneverfailsus.com if you would like to support us financially. Go to loveneverfailsus.com slash million and donate there $1 per month to be one of a million ways to help us. $1 per month and tell someone else to give $1 per month. That is $12 for a year. And, you know, pretty easy, it would seem, yeah. for anyone to help with that. And that you would be surprised how far that $1 will go Oh yeah, per month. And um, we really would love to have your help in that regard. Uh, anything else, Vanessa? Yeah, no, I was just going to uh, share with everyone that we would love for you to participate in our prayer uh, meeting on Sunday evenings. We have a corporate prayer meeting um, at 8 o'clock. And it is uh, just a really great time together, 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. And that's 641-715-3580. And the code is 610975. We have a new prayer leader, Chantel Alvarez, who's um, doing some amazing things. If you have the uh, an intercessory call in your life, uh, reach out to prayer at loveneverfailsus.com so you can join together with her. Uh, we've got uh, somewhere in the way of 10,000 people praying for us right now now through mm, praying great. Pelican missions mm. and all these different churches. And, um, and then we want to be a blessing to you. If you need prayer, go on our website mm-hmm. and ask for prayer. We have a prayer form there, mm-hmm. fill it out. Um, and this group of, 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 um, intercessors will lift you up. Yeah. Hey, uh, we saw our work this week, right? Yes. To, um, young ladies who were missing. Right. And we prayed yep. and they were found and they wow. were found. Yeah. Amen. And Amen. so more to the, more more to come on that. Uh, and thank you again for listening to Abolition Radio. And of course, we want to end the show just m- by making sure that you know that you, you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org by liking and sharing our page on Facebook, Facebook slash Abolition Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. Abolition Radio is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported, nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in sex trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to abolitionradio.org and click on Love Never Fails. 
Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thanks for listening, and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.